welcome to another edition of Spotlight on Natural Resources. Here with me today is Aaron Garrett, who is an Extension Educator with Energy and Environmental Stewardship. Aaron, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well, thank you. How are you doing, Gavin? I'm doing well, thank you. Uh, so let's go ahead and get started here with a few questions that uh, we have. Uh, so once August hits and school is back in session, Another change affects many adults, hay fever or seasonal allergies. What is the cause of these allergies? So the source of these fall allergies here in Illinois is pollen from a group of plants called ragweed. So common ragweed and giant ragweed are the two most common types that we have in Illinois. They are native but weedy plants that occur in every single county in the state. They like to grow in disturbed areas, so you'll often find them on roadsides, in abandoned fields, even in vacant lots, and pretty much in any sunny disturbed area. So ragweed flowers produce a very fine yellow pollen, and that pollen is the source of your allergies. Wow, I did not know that we had a giant ragweed. That sounds a little scary hearing about it now. <laughs> Um, so how can you identify a ragweed and tell the difference between common and giant? Right. So if we start with common ragweed, um, this ragweed can grow up to three feet tall. So it stays relatively small um, and it has leaves that can be arranged either opposite from one another along the stem or they can be found alternately. So usually we look at that leaf arrangement to help identify a plant. And common ragweed doesn't really help us out because it can hold its leaves in either um, in either format. Um, usually it has a hairy stem and then the leaf shape, the leaves are compound leaves and they have lots of deep lobes. And oftentimes the bases are much wider than the tips. So the general outline of the leaf is, is a triangular shape, okay? Giant ragweed in comparison can grow much, much taller and it typically is between three and 12 feet tall. So this is a huge plant. Um, it can be twice as tall as, as you and me. Um, in giant ragweed, its leaves are always held opposite one another and the leaves themselves can be up to a foot long. So again, just the scale of this plant is so much bigger. Um, those leaves have three to five lobes. So if you see one with three lobes, it's kind of the shape of a W, okay? And then the edges of those leaves have teeth on them. And then it also has hairy stems. So we're looking for a much bigger, more robust um, plant when it comes to giant ragweed. Well, that, that is very, very interesting. Uh, wow. Uh, so what do the flowers of these plants look like? So if you're waiting to see a large showy flower on ragweed, you're going to be greatly disappointed by the tiny green flowers that they produce because they're not very showy at all. They don't even have petals. Um, so they form small round green flowers that are arranged in dense spike-like clusters. So you'd see a skinny spike um, one to four inches long in common ragweed or three to six inches long in giant ragweed. So they bloom in late summer to early fall. So that's when that pollen is being released. Do you have any recommendations for managing or removing wet ragweed? 
So both ragweeds are summer annuals, which means that they take one year to complete their life cycle, and then they're going to seed, right? So the same plant's not going to return next year. Typically, annuals have shallower root systems, which makes them easy to hand pull when they're young. I don't recommend pulling the giant ragweed when it's 12 feet tall. Um, but the trouble with removing ragweed is even if you get rid of the ragweed, say in your yard or in your field, chances are it's going to continue to grow all along the roadsides. So the effort might not be worthwhile with the ubiquity of this plant. Um, and they also produce huge amounts of seeds. So we're talking about 30,000 to 60,000 seeds per plant. Um, and the seeds can remain viable in the soil for over five years. So at this point, with how widespread it is, it's in every county in Illinois, it's not necessarily uh, worth the effort of removing. If you had some in your garden and you just wanted to pluck those out, you can do that. Um, but treating it on a large scale isn't really feasible at this point. That's very good information to know. Thank you, Bob. So ragweed isn't the plant with the yellow flowers that we see in abandoned fields and disturbed areas blooming in the fall. What is that plant and does it also cause allergies? Right, so every fall I hear over and over people blaming the beautiful yellow flowering plants they see for their allergies. Um, so what they're talking about typically is goldenrods. And goldenrods are a group of native plants comprising many different species, over a hundred different species just in North America. So most goldenrods bloom at the same time as ragweeds, late summer into early fall. So oftentimes, you know, when we see a plant blooming in the fall and we're sneezing at the same time, it's easy to assign blame to that plant. But remember that those pesky ragweed flowers blend into the background. Um, and oftentimes ragweed and goldenrod are growing in the similar habitat, right? So in disturbed areas. And oftentimes they're growing right next to each other side by side. Um, but no matter what county in Illinois you live in, there's a handful of goldenrod species that can be found there blooming at the same time. Um, and those are not causing your allergies. So how do you know that goldenrod isn't to blame for allergies? Is there an easy way to tell which plants cause allergies and which ones don't? Yes, so the answer to this question is based on the way that plants are pollinated. So in this case, goldenrod is pollinated by insects, whereas ragweed is wind pollinated. Plants pollinated by insects produce pollen that's much heavier and not able to be transported by the wind. Um, so therefore, that their pollen cannot be responsible for your allergies. An insect pollinated pollen also tends to be sticky or spiky, which allows it to hold on to those insects, right? Um, whereas wind pollinated pollen is smooth and lightweight, which is perfect for moving down your nasal passageway and not getting caught in the hairs in your nose. So if you think about other plants that cause seasonal allergies, such as some trees in the spring and grasses in the summer, those are all wind pollinated as well. They usually produce flowers that aren't very showy. They're yellow or green in color, right? Because they're not attracting insects to come and pollinate them. And they produce huge amounts of lightweight airborne pollen. And the reason they do that is plants that are wind pollinated aren't relying on an insect to move from one flower to another, right? That's a much more intentional movement of pollen. 
um, but rather they're kind of just releasing pollen into the world and hoping that there's a breeze that carries it where it needs to go. So they produce a huge amount of pollen that can explain the severity of your allergies when the plants are in full bloom. Wow, part of that just makes me really want to say ew. Um, <laughs> thanks, thanks for the allergies, uh, pollen. <laughs> um, so now we know goldenrod isn't to blame for allergies, but if it tends to act like a weedy plant, are there benefits to keeping it around? So goldenrods often get a bad rap, not only because they're blamed for allergies, but because they are pretty aggressive in their growth habit. Um, so yes, they are native plants, but they often form colonies and like disturbed areas, so they aren't necessarily seen as the most desirable species. However, they play a huge role in our ecosystems. So goldenrods are the number one producer of caterpillars among herbaceous or non-woody plants. So what that means is over 180 different types of caterpillars can use goldenrods as a food source before they metamorphosize. That's a huge diversity of caterpillars that can use this type of plant. And why are caterpillars important? Well, research about their vital role in the food web seems to be growing nearly every day. Um, they're a great food source, especially for birds and their young, as they're soft packets of food that are really easily eaten. If you think about a different insect like a beetle, that's really hard for a bird to eat versus a caterpillar, which is really squishy and easy to swallow. <laughs> um, goldenrod also blooms in the fall, so it provides a late season source of nectar for our nectarine insects. Um, and the seeds that it produces are eaten by birds, voles, and mice in the winter. Now you might not want to have voles and mice around, but they're great food for birds, right? Um, and not to mention there's, there's tons of other insects that use goldenrod. Um, one is the goldenrod gall fly. So oftentimes you see galls form on goldenrod. That's one of the easiest ways that I identify it actually. So while you might not want to plant it in your garden, although there are some more well-behaved species that tend not to get out of hand. I do say it's a, it's a better choice in our abandoned fields to have around than many of the other non-native or invasive species we see growing in the same habitat. So I say leave the goldenrod. <laughs> wow, uh, thank you, Erin, so much. Uh, if we wanted to find out more information, where should we go? So a couple years ago, Extension's Home, Yard, and Garden Pest Newsletter had an article about ragweed and goldenrod, so you could look that up online to get more detailed information. If you're looking for help identifying these plants, you can visit the Illinois Wildflowers website. And if you want to learn more about native plants supporting caterpillars, I have a number of recorded webinars on U of I Extension's YouTube channel that are currently available for viewing as well. Aaron, again, thank you so much. That is all wonderful information. Uh, we appreciate you uh, coming in and speaking with us today. Uh, thank you again very much. Uh, thank you, Aaron. Thank you for having me. And that concludes uh, this edition of Spotlight on Natural Resources. Have a wonderful day.